Wayne, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you are you, are your are your loins girded? I'm I'm hearing that no one's loins are girded. How can we I, do this if there are no girded loins? I I, I think we should try it without and you, see how you it goes. Try, you want to to go into this without girded loins? That's yeah, insane, I think Paul. So. It's insane. Well, you know, I'm 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 gonna. Uh oh, Wayne has an audio issue. <laughs> your girded loins threw off his audio. <laughs> this is why we don't gird loins. <laughs> Oop, hold on, you're coming through the wrong speaker. Do I have a correct speaker? I didn't know I had an assigned speaker. You do. <laughs> That's Aaron always coming through the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, I hear that a lot. <laughs> it's right. always the right place for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have put Aaron in the correct hole. <laughs> that was almost coffee out my nose. with Aaron, Holly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. May the 4th be with you guys, and happy free comic book day. And it's the Kentucky Derby. And Paul's going to Wine Fest. So I'm going to do all the things today. And I'm grilling burgers today. Ah, I, got, I, got, I got my new uh, stainless steel griddle to go on the grill so I can make the uh, the eggs to go on top of the burger. Ah, the eggs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna. That's all I'm doing all day is just eating burgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is these this convergence of all things awesome this weekend because we do have May the Fourth on the same day as Free Comic Book Day, and tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, so you can get your taco on. Uh -huh. Um. But yeah, free comic book days today. But before we talk about that, because I, I there, you know, there's a couple of things that I wanted to mention in relation to that. Uh, but in relation to the Star Wars Day, may the fourth be with you. I, I was driving um, down the street the other day, and about a mile away from my house, this new place opened called Saberation. Uh oh. And so I looked it up, and it's it's part of a chain called Total Saber Fit. And what it is, it's it's lightsaber workouts. <laughs> uh -huh. That is kind of awesome. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so the, there's one in Virginia Beach. It looks like Los Angeles, Sacramento. I don't know where the others are, but it's a totalsaberfit.com. Um, and it's it's basically cardio with a stick. But, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of cool. The world's first lightsaber fitness gym. Um, and you know, I saw it. I was like, eh, I'm not going to do anything with it until you know, I because uh, Lucasfilm will shut that shit down. <laughs> but then I realized that it's a chain, so right. it's clearly been around a little bit. And so I, I'm, I may take a class and see how it goes. That's cool. You got to get, you got to YouTube some of that, Paul. Yeah, maybe yeah. I will. <laughs> you know, I've always been fascinated along those lines. You know, there are places where you can do quarter staff training, right? 
And I've always been fascinated by that. I mean, it's like, that, that is, that is absolutely a thing I'd like to do. There's never anyone in any of those close to where I live, but I, I watch some of those videos where, where guys are doing their little quarter staff workouts. And I'm like, that looks amazing. See, Plus, that would definitely get me in the gym, except I don't want it videoed because then I'd be the next Star Wars kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and me both, Wayne. Ah, you guys would be fine. You'd be fine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, 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 I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate and I'll report back or video it if it's not too embarrassing and let you guys know how it goes. Well, I feel like I should disclose something before we get too deep into the podcast today. Okay. I've been up since 4 a.m. and oh. drinking coffee, and there has been rum in my coffee all morning long. Just <laughs> since 4 a.m.? Since 4 a.m., that is correct. I, uh, I, uh, my knees were bothering me, and I'm just like, okay, okay. I can, I can self-medicate, and I broke out your cracking rum, Paul. So you'll notice that, that, you, <laughs> that your rum is going to be a little lower in the bottle than where you left that hash mark when you left. So Paul, Mar- Paul marks the bottles before he leaves, by the way. I do. So you know. And so I, so I take it that next time I come, the first stop is going to be Total Wine. <laughs> <laughs> to re- replenish your supply of cracking rum. Yeah. I'd like to point out that when I, when I uh, inventoried my liquor cabinet recently, there were three bottles of cracking rum. In my, <laughs> because in my, I always forget that there's some, that you have some. That's right. Well, and I mean, it, that is how, how much we stock up with rum when Paul comes to town. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cause he but they're all over. like really. There's really not much. There's like a, all of them have like a quarter bottle. Because I go through like a three quarters of a bottle That's of crack right. and man coffee. Not there. and not of the seven fifty, but of the great big one. That's what yeah. cracks me up. I mean, Paul can Hoover <laughs> through some rum. Yeah, I wake up and yeah. I start pouring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody thinks that's water in that bottle of his, but no, no, it's just rum. Yeah, and maybe this a little is why Coke we don't zero. record those evening games at Mancon because Paul's like, that is correct. Well, so do you guys have any big plans for May the Force Be With You Day or or Free Comic Book Day? You know, Free Comic Book Day used to be a huge thing for me, where I would hit like five, six store. Well, let's face it, every comic book store in the area and just see what's going on. Um, I'm sorry. I've got to be somewhere. <laughs> this year though, I think I'm only going to hit one store. Uh, cause I'm finding every year I go, I come back with all of these comics and then six or eight months later, I find the bag and I'm like, Oh yeah, I got a bunch of comics then. Yeah. And I'll read maybe one or two out of the batch is all I ever actually read. Uh, so I think my focus this year is going to be, uh, I get, I like getting them for my niece, you know, and so I look for the more kids ones to bring home and give to her so she can read them instead of looking for all of these things for me. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, my local brick and mortar Zeus comics is doing, you know, a big thing today. They're doing, they are doing their quarter comic sale. And I got to tell you, even though I'm not buying floppies anymore, anytime I see the quarter comic sale go up, I mean, it is all I can do not to just go running over there with with a great big paper bag to fill up, big grocery store paper bag to fill mm-hmm. up of comics. Because, yep. holy shit, I loves me some quarter comics, but I have nowhere to put them. Exactly. Uh, I come back with a box full of them that yeah. I never read because I'd rather read them digitally. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just – then you got to store the damn things. And I've really yeah. become this person that, that I, I – I, 
space. I, I realized years ago that I can't own everything, despite my desires. I cannot own everything. So, uh, but they're having their big quarter comic sale. They're having uh, some some key comic talent in, like Greg Rucka is going to be at Zeus Comics today, and get this, Phil Jimenez is going to be there. Wow! Yeah, and uh, they're doing a uh, a live art event this evening. They're doing a full day of stuff, and uh, Lila Sturgis, formerly Matt Sturgis, uh, will be there as well. Hey, well, uh, you know, listening to this conversation, we we really should have started this con this About uh, two podcast weeks ago. by. <laughs> well, we, we should have started this podcast by saying welcome to the forty-year-old uh, married comic fan podcast uh, because <laughs> it's a whole bunch of I don't have any room. Yeah, right. Conversations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that that's how it goes. I I, I may swing by uh, my local comic shop, one of my local comic shops, because I'm kind of interested in the Avengers. Um, and Spider-Man free comic book day issues. Mm-hmm. Now they will be released digitally in a couple weeks, but you know, I mean, those are quick reads. I may just go swing by and pick those up and uh, see what else uh, it tickles my fancy. The DC one. Um, I don't even know that DC has a free comic book day uh, issue because they did their DC's year of the villain. Number yeah. one earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was wondering the same thing that uh, because they released that free digitally, if that's, you know, all, all that they plan to do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they uh, were putting out like a superhero have, girls or something. I say they have the Catwoman, a special tale edition uh, yeah. that is. They're apparently getting ready to release a big Catwoman book, and this is kind of this is tied into that. Oh, okay. Well, that that so that's what they're putting out. But um, you know, we're going to talk about Year of the Villain here in a couple minutes. But before we do, you're, we're going to have a very dark, funny books today. We're going to talk about villainous things as we're dark as the about- rum in my coffee. As dark as the rum in Aaron's coffee. Aaron uses <laughs> rum instead of milk. Um, but uh, they announced this week that, you know, so we, we've lost all our Netflix Marvel shows, uh, but Mo- Disney owns Hulu, essentially. They have a majority um, share of Hulu currently. And so they're going to be start. They're going to start bringing some of their shows to Hulu, which is an interesting choice. But I think that's the way that Disney can bring some of their more mature entertainment that they're not putting on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Right? I think Disney Plus is going to aim to be more family friendly, PG, PG thirteen fair. Whereas Hulu, you know, they can stretch the boundaries a little bit, kind of like Netflix did. Well, and they it, announced that oh, it, also, it also broadens their brand, right? I mean, yeah. it, it allows because you might be you could be someone who is opposed to Disney. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to get a Disney subscription, but you get a Hulu subscription because, you know, you want to watch your uh, Handmaid's Tale. So, yeah. well, it also, you know, comforts people who think, well, Disney owns everything now and mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox, so we're not going to get any new aliens or predators or, you know, things like that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, Disney owned Hollywood Studios and Miramax and all that stuff for a while, too. Yep. But, yep. You know, no, completely agree. Disney owns a lot of shit <laughs> um, right now. Disney owns Title Max. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, they, they they have a, they have a very diversified portfolio. You mean um, I can but, get my title back at Title Max, courtesy of, of of the mouse? Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, they announced that Ghost Rider uh, play uh, the Robbie Reyes version that it, with the same actor who portrayed the character in Agents of Shield will be getting his own TV show on Hulu and Hellstrom. I think will also um, be uh, coming to Hulu. I don't know. I don't know if he was in the same show or a, a separate show. I think it's going to be a separate show based on what I read. And I gotta say, um, I'm not. I'm not a big Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider fan, but I loves me some Hellstrom. 
Yeah, same here. I'm not a big uh, fan of that version of Ghost Rider, but they did it really well on Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. It's probably the best version of Ghost Rider that I've seen in in cinema. Yeah. So being the same actor, I have some hopes for this one. I'm I'm kind of hoping they bring in his supporting cast from the when he was on Agents of Shield and make it be a continuation of that. I mean, I don't need them to deal with any of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters or do a callback, but he had his brother on the show, and he had a few supporting cast members that it would be nice to see come back. Yeah, I'm you know, I'm excited about the idea of, of Ghost Rider being its own show and pulling in Hellstrom. Uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, much like Netflix built up to a Defenders, mm-hmm. could we finally be seeing some build-up? To Midnight Suns? To Midnight Suns, because they did say Johnny Blaze would be a... You know, a character in that Ghost Rider oh, TV God. show. Can we get some Morbius now, please? Well, there is a Morbius movie. Uh, yeah, that might that might throw a kink in it because uh, Jared Leto is playing Morbius in a movie. Is was, am, was brother I'm Voodoo, excited. Was brother Voodoo ever in the Midnight Suns? He wasn't, was he? No, unless he was in Darkhold. I don't believe okay. he was. No, he wasn't in Darkhold. They brought in Doctor Strange for a, a time. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to hear about Johnny Blaze, but I want to see what they do with him. Yeah. I want the Hellfire shotgun, Johnny Blaze. I want <laughs> trench coat yeah. firing Hellfire out of his gun. That was the Johnny Blaze yeah. that I liked the you best. Want, you want 1990s Johnny Blaze. And yeah. Yes. I, I agree because that was some fucking awesome Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we can pull in Blade and Frank Drake. Basically, ah. I think everything's on the table except I, Morbius. Man, I, I, and I love me some Blade. That can, can we just for a moment revisit the fact that the Blade TV series was fucking awesome? You know, I think a lot of people don't like that show. And I'm like, did you w- watch it? <laughs> it was excellent and it was written by jeff johns had a great story you know story throughput um i I, you know yes they recast the actor and he wasn't as good as wesley snipes but he grew into the role i actually really liked him i he wasn't i liked that his performance was a little bit more subdued and more in keeping with the comic book character than Mm -hmm. the the film character that wesley snipes made um because you know blade is not an over-the-top kind of guy you no. know, um, and, and I, I, I really enjoyed that TV show. That was a super yeah. good TV show. Yeah. Paul, speaking of dark TV shows, uh-huh. I finished Damien last night. Uh, uh-huh. You can buy the entire series for like $3.99 on Prime. Uh, that show was so stinking good. It's only one season. Uh, it didn't get renewed for a second season, but mm-hmm. it was so stinking good. I, it was creepy as fuck. Barbara Hershey's in it, and she every time she's on the on the screen, my blood uh, goes cold. I mean, the show is so creepy. I, I, I really strongly recommend it. So, Aaron, I found the details on the uh, Marvel Adult Animated series that they're going to do. Oh dear. Uh, so, based on popular Marvel television characters, including Marvel's Modok, Marvel's <sighs> Tigra and Dazzler show. Howard the Duck and the one for us, Hitmonkey. I like Hitmonkey oh, and I like right. Howard the Duck. And, and it's going to culminate in a special event called Marvel's The Offenders. Huh. And that's is this right. going to be on Hulu? Um, I believe so. Yeah, it looks like. Yep. I, I cannot stand Modoc. I like Tigra. I've and always I, liked Dazzler. My problem with Howard the Duck is that I only like Steve Gerber's Howard the Duck. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't care for any of the later incarnations of Howard the Duck, but but Hit Monkey, uh, Hit Monkey, I'm down for. 
Same I'm here. down for Hitmonkey. I, I will skip Modok, but I'm definitely down. <laughs> you see, for I don't like any of those big head villains, like the 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 uh, uh, Green Lantern villain that's all big head. Can't stand that guy either. Same yeah, here. Um, I don't know. I can't Hammond. remember his H- Hammond. Yeah, yeah. Hammond. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't. I, it, it gets me wondering, like, whatever happened to Hit Monkey? Remember that was like big shit when it first uh-huh. came out. Then and, I, uh, I think the problem is, is that they they couldn't find the right talent for that book. Yeah, well, you know what? Now that it occurs to me, whatever happened to Daniel Way? You know, he, he he was big on Deadpool and created Hit Monkey and and did a bunch of stuff for Marvel, and then just kind of, um, you know, I don't. He may be doing independent books, but is he's, his picture he's on a milk is his picture on a milk carton somewhere, Paul? Maybe it should be. Maybe <laughs> Hit Monkey took him out. That's right. That shit happens. Yeah. Well, you know what? Since we're talking about Marvel, I'm just going to go ahead and rearrange our outline. Ah, so, I know it, you Wayne. hate it when I do that. <laughs> Um, both Wayne, you're supposed to Marvel. restrain him. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> no one restrains Paul. Yes, no one puts baby in a corner. Um, so, because Savage Adventures number one came out this week. Continue, you know, starting our thread of of dark books. Um, you know, this is the kind of the darker Avengers book, uh, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Mark, Mike Diodato, um, features Venom, Conan, Punisher, Dr. Voodoo, Elektra, and Wolverine, even though most of those characters are not in this issue. Um, but we do get a lot of time with Wolverine and Conan uh, and some Dr. Voodoo. And so, you know, I, I have some, some thoughts on this book. I am Conan of Cimeria. <laughs> so you guys read the, uh, the story that, Led up to this, right? Yeah, no Avengers Road yeah. No Road Home. Yes. Okay, because I didn't. So uh, you I, know what? Uh, it, it, Conan's inter. As far as you need to know, right? It was or was explained in the first page. Conan yeah, was well, was got thrown well, into the savage he, land. He did, and that's what out, I was going to mention. I didn't feel like I missed anything for this story. Yeah. He did leave out one pertinent fact that he almost almost knocked boots with Scarlet Witch. Almost. Yes, sister. Almost. Yeah. And it would be nice to see that come back into play. Uh, exactly, exactly. But uh, you know, Scarlet Witch's boyfriend is in this book, Brother Voodoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, Paul, I love this book. I, I thought this was was a hell of a lot of fun, uh, and it probably plays into the fact that I am really digging the Conan books right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading both Conan the Barbarian and uh, Savage Sword of Conan, and I'm even reading the uh, Belit. Uh, oh, are you really? How is yeah. that? It's it's an origin story, so you know okay. it doesn't it doesn't pick up with her as a mature figure yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's her as a teenager and 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 you know starting off from there. Uh, but it, it's good. It's good. I don't know. It's actually a character I know almost nothing about. And yeah. uh, you know, despite the fact that she is you know canon Robert E. Howard uh, character, I literally know almost nothing about her. So. Uh, it's been interesting, you know, reading that book. But I am—I I think Marvel has done just such a remarkable job with reintroducing Conan um, to the Marvel universe and picking up right where they left off because you know uh, they are incorporating the original 1970s books into his backstory. Uh, yeah, and so I, I just—I completely dig that, and I think that I feel like. Jason Aaron's is the guy who's guiding, even though he's not writing all the Conan mm-hmm. stuff. I feel like he's the guy guiding Conan. Like this is our Conan. This is how Conan acts. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's super strong. And I, and you know, he just feels so natural in this book. And when they, at the end of Avengers, no road home, 
where he gets punted off to the Savage Land instead of returned back to Cimmeria. I'm like, okay, I can see Conan living in the Savage Land, you know? That was the thing when I heard about this book that I was most, you know, I didn't get how it would work. Thinking Conan in modern Marvel, throwing him in the Savage Land makes perfect sense, and Mm -hmm. this does work. You know, I was thinking about him, like, in New York and things. Uh, I liked how they, Wolverine kind of does a callback there, where they, Conan tells him about being left here, and Wolverine's like, yeah, that sounds like an Avengers thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, and, you know, he, he I thought uh, Wolverine was going to make a remark about, uh, uh, you know, how the roster is always changing on the Avengers when, when they're having that conversation. And, you know, instead he's like, this is why everyone picks fights with the Avengers. And I'm like, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> yep. You know, I I absolutely love the very first introduction between the two where Conan tries to basically slice into his head uh-huh. and you hear the clank against the metal. Right. I think their fight was very well done. Minor nitpick of Wolverine slices Conan across the face and you see it there for like a page and then it's. All of the artwork after that, there's no scars or anything. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, you know, they've never really established that Conan has some type of healing power, but he really takes a beating in this issue, as bad as Wolverine. And um, I I was kind of surprised that, like, he's still standing and okay. And I know he's a badass. I know he's tough as nails, but he's still human. Right. Um, You know what? I, I will say. Story-wise, I genuinely enjoyed the issue. Mm-hmm. I had some issues with the art, though. Well, you're not a Mike Diodato fan to begin with. I'm not, and I, you know, and, and the problem is, you put this beautiful David Finch cover, and I am a David Finch um, fan, but I found the the art in very in, in a number of pages very sketchy, um, like 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 not polished, not finished. And I looked, you know, so if you buy it digitally, you get the director's cut, and it shows the pencils and inks. Or the inked pages, I should say. I don't think it shows the pencils. Um, and, it, and that's that's the way it's done. It's not like it was done after the fact in coloring. Like, no, there's some genuinely pa- some pages that look like sketches. You know, and, and I have to take back what I said. I'm zooming in, and the three claw marks are on most of the art. I It was missed in some of the panels, but they did keep it in there. So I have to take that back. I have to say that I don't think the coloring worked real well in this book because, you know, like you said, we get the director's uh, version that they provide you the inked pages and the colored pages absent mm-hmm. any of the, the dialogue. Um, I think the black and white inks look better than the colored pages. I agree. You know, it's funny that they, they recall the black and white inks recall a mid 90s Frank Miller to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I, I, very I Frank Miller esque. I would have liked instead of the director's cut to be a slightly cheaper version of the book <laughs> and yeah. not have had all of that at the end that I just don't care about. Well, let's the be art- honest, Wayne. The book would have been five bucks regardless of if you got the extra content or not. So. True. <laughs> That's one of my big problems with Marvel is they should make their issue ones cheap to get people on board and interested. And then they can raise the price a little. Uh, but they instead they start with really expensive first issues. And when I look at all that stuff at the back of it, the art is kind of cool to see, but I don't need it for every single page. Give a few of the best examples. And the script, I don't need to see that. I don't care to read the script. I just read the comic. Yeah, I, I don't 
I, I think the script is nice if you're if you are someone who is wanting to learn how to write comics and it gives you the the formatting and you know, t- shows you how the writer is communicating with the artist. But I, I will say that I really did enjoy the inks uh, in this book, particularly because I think that Diodato's inks are a lot stronger than the colored pages. Um, yeah. You know, the, in fact, there's a lot of detail that I think the colored pages obscures. Um, yeah, I would agree. I. I in, in a lot of ways, I would have preferred to read this book in black and white, uh, and rather than all of the the color scale that you get in this book, because like there's this the page after uh, the during Wolverine and Conan's fight, and where Conan stabs uh, Wolverine in the chest, Wolverine falls, and Conan steps away, and you can just see he is just a me- Conan's a mess, but you know he's victorious, he he's taken out Wolverine. And you, when you look at the colored pages, it's not nearly as dramatic. You know, all of the damage to Conan is very much muted by the coloring. And I, I, I just don't think that tells as compelling a visual story as, as Diodato's black and whites do. Now, that said, I love Mike Diodato. I know that you are not a fan, Paul. I am not. But I absolutely adore his, his uh, pen and pencil. Uh, I just, I, I think they are just fantastic. And I think he's a really, he is a particularly brutal style of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that he is very well suited to a, to a title such as the Savage Avengers. Yeah, uh, that last page. The uh, when you look at the black and whites there, I think the color did a, did add to it a little bit for that one. But the Punisher standing in the rain, uh-huh. that is just beautiful. The art, it, well, it, like you're saying, it's a very harsh art that fits so perfectly for this character. Yeah, I mean, and those panels, I think the, they did a good job with the coloring and they the colors they picked to keep it dark and keep it. But the black and whites of those as well, I mean. The art really sells yeah. that character in those scenes. Yeah. You know a way to buy to make me buy a print version of this issue how, is how to simple. if you want to recall those nineteen seventies Conan's books, print this oversized, magazine sized in mm. black and white on yeah. newsprint, and I will buy this and I will actually buy a print version of this book. Yeah. Um because yes, the look the black and white versions of the of the pages are better. Um, and you know it, there are still some some issues with some of the art, especially for me. There's a page where Wolverine's like falling down a cliff and or crawling up a cliff, I think, and it just looks like something out of a sketchbook. Uh, the last thing I want to say about the art is that there are a couple of panels and pages that show uh, the cultists, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the raising up of this demon creature yes. that I think are beautifully rendered, both color and black and white. Um, I, I just I think that they are they are just really amazing, compelling pages. Uh, I, I think I think Mike Diodato really outdid himself on this book. It's a fun story, uh, you know. Jerry Dugan's having some fun with it, and so I, I will absolutely be picking up the second issue of Savage Avengers. I, do I have, have to say, uh, the end of this is already a big candidate for my holy shit moment of the year because I actually said out loud, "Holy shit!" when I read it. <laughs> well, I do have one complaint, mm-hmm. and it's that uh, you know Brother Voodoo is kind of handled like a bitch in this in this book. Yeah, and, and gets I'm his just, neck sliced right open. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh come on, man, who likes me some Brother Voodoo? 
And I, you know, I haven't read Brother Voodoo since he was Doctor Voodoo, and I right. freaking loved those Rick Remender Doctor Voodoo books, so you know. And when he was wrapped up in the New Avengers, so this new like white suit Afro Doctor Voodoo, I'm not. Yeah, it's you know, it's, I, it's live and let die era Doctor Voodoo, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I expect Roger Moore to come wandering by. Yeah, it's an interesting choice, but you know, I had like I said, it's been a while, and those books were probably ten years ago now, almost. Yep, back when we were first started this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the other side of the fence, they're also letting. The Darkness Reign on DC Comics, um, Year of the Villain number one. So we talked about how, um, you know, Free Comic Book Day is today, as of recording anyway. Uh, but much like last year, uh, last year DC put out a 25-cent issue. I don't remember. I think it was called DC Universe number zero. Uh, and it came out earlier in the week and basically was a preview of things to come throughout the year. Just a quarter, uh, like I said. And I think they released it separately in order to let it be its own thing. Right. Just, uh, you know, people show up on new comic book day. Uh, it's not and most comic shops came out, gave it, uh, gave it out for free anyway. So it's not like they were trying to make money off of it. But I think they just wanted to separate it from the pack of other issues uh, as well as allow it to be released digitally day and day. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is the being able to release it digitally at the same time. Mm-hmm. They had to, you know had to put a price to it or not call it free comic book day, though. This one they didn't put a price to. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was free on it was free on Comicsology, and so you're the villain. Number one came out, and it has three stories that uh, kind of set up the upcoming year of the villain in DC Comics. You have Doom by Scott Snyder and Jim Chung, Leviathan by Bendis and Alex Maleev, and Justice by James Tynion the Force Fourth and Francis Manupol uh, under a cover by Gray Capullo, and it, it's it, I guess it's kind of setting up, uh, you know, that this villain takeover which you know we've seen in both marvel and dc before we saw it with the dark avengers in marvel we saw it with the forever evil i think um was the name of the crossover from dc comics yeah but you know this is this time you know instead of being under the pen of jeff johns we have it from from scott snyder and it's invading all the dc universe books because at the end of the issue you see the the the, all the books that will feature tie-ins uh, to this year of the villain storyline, but Aaron, you 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 said the book was interesting when we spoke about it earlier this week. Yeah, well, you know, the the first thing I'll say about the very first story uh, featuring uh, you know Amanda Waller and the uh, Legion of Doom, mm-hmm. um, it was confusing to me, and it's confusing to me because I just read a block of Action Comics getting me caught up on the Leviathan Rising storyline. Yeah, and where I where I left. Uh, Amanda Waller at the uh, in the most recent issue of Action Comics is her hiding in uh, Superman's alternate Fortress of Solitude in the Bermuda Triangle because you know somebody's trying to kill everybody and you know so you know she knows who Clark Kent is and and in relation to Superman uh, she, they've got Jimmy Olsen there who hasn't figured out what Amanda Waller knows <laughs> you know despite the fact that Lois is calling Superman honey within earshot of Jimmy uh, but we're talking we're not talking about action comics we're talking about uh, uh, the year of the villain and it just was strange to me that she's marching down the hallway you know in the White House when you know, she was just, you know, hiding from everybody. So I don't understand where this fits in. Right. Uh, and the book does not clarify that. It doesn't tell you where it fits in in relation to the recent run of action comics. Um, 
Yep, Aaron, I'll expand on that and say I think Brainiac is completely and totally out of character in this Way out of character. That was my next note as well. Go ahead, Wayne. Brainiac is not a character, first of all, that works for anyone. But this is all petty stuff for him. This is a character that takes planets and, you know, shrinks them, shrinks cities and things and destroys planets. Yet he's walking inside Lex Luthor, draining knowledge from people. Yeah, like the, and and being concerned for for Luther's welfare, right? Yeah, this is not a version of Brainiac that I've ever seen. He's just completely out of character. Yeah, no, I agree, I, and 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 that's true in Action Comics as well. Or I'm sorry, a Justice League where that we're seeing the current iteration of the Legion of Doom working to you know bring this celestial being into focus um, to you know do bad things. Um, I, I, I'm really having trouble with, with the characterization. I'm really enjoying Justice League right now, but I'm enjoying Justice League despite Legion of Doom. Uh, I'm enjoying Justice League because of how Superman focused it is and that we're really getting to see, uh, you know, Superman be Superman, uh, amongst the other heroes. I'm, I'm digging that. But this, this iteration of Brainiac is odd. It does explain to me, particularly in this chapter one, it explains to me what's been going on with Lex Luthor and why his character has taken such a hard turn. Um, you know that he's he is being subverted uh, by that by that uh, celestial character, mm-hmm. um, I, and so that was interesting to me. But I do really have issues with how mundane Brainiac is portrayed. Exactly, and while I had issues with that, I I found the story didn't really work for me. I did like what it sets up here. I like the idea of Lex Luthor's brilliance and you know all the devices he's built over the years that he is going to be empowering the villains to take on their specific heroes. Yeah. I think that is going to be an interesting thing to come out of it. Yeah. He's funding just, the bad guys. Yeah. Yes. Much like Bruce Wayne funds the good guys, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah. I liked. I, here's the thing. I actually liked the first story, and you know, the Brainiac thing. I that's kind of been a trend since No Justice. So I, you know, I've kind of seen Scott Snyder take that angle with Brainiac since he took over the title. So I think I've, I've just gotten used to it. Uh, I, I thought the art on that first storyline was gorgeous. Oh well, it's Jim Chung. Exactly. How's Jim Chung going to draw something that you don't like, Paul? Exactly. <laughs> um, we're, we're what my issues with the book were that the first chapter of the book ends with Lex Luthor sacrificing himself as part of his plan because I guess when he dies, his his fun his fortune will be you know disseminated to all the various villains. Like I guess that's right. whatever. Um, well, but, and, and remember, Brainiac says to him, you know, if you do this, you know, everyone's going to know you for the bad guy you are. Like, that's anything Brainiac would ever say. Yeah. That, drive, that, that, that alone right there, Wayne, just sent me screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just that caring about a human being. Right. Much less or, what others think of that human being. Yeah. Or acknowledging that, it, that, it, that being thought of as a bad guy is even relevant. You know, that anyone would would ever even consider that that is meaningful because Brainiac's above that kind of thing. Brain, you know what? You know what? Brainiac is, Paul. Brainiac no. is. Dark side was, Aaron. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I liked the first story. The second story, the Leviathan story, I, 
I was okay on. I didn't love it. It's weird uh, how they're trying to recruit Batgirl for it, though. That yeah. just that just seemed completely out of nowhere to me. That was the interesting part of the story for me. I didn't care about the beginning of it, but I I was suddenly interested in their recruitment pitch to Batgirl. I thought that that pitch was a very good one. No, yeah, I but did it just too. feels it like just, it's just going to go the obvious way, right? She's going to accept right. it and just be undercover, right? And so maybe Bendis will throw me off, but. And maybe Batgirl will go bad. Maybe she'll become bad girl. Because wasn't what's his face or Dick Grayson was already undercover in Spiral. So right. I don't know how this is different. Um, and I, I will say my issue with the second story wasn't so much the pitch to Batgirl. It was the end of it. It felt very wah wah. Like the yeah. ending had no impact to me. Like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed it seemed like the ending should have ended on that last page with Batgirl. The yeah. Cut to the Batcave with Damien and Bruce seemed anticlimactic. And yeah, I'm exactly. I'm really not interested in seeing the Bat family eat its own again. Uh, you know, in terms of is is uh, Jason, you know, doing doing crazy shit as the Red Hood. Yeah, just, I, yeah. That, that would that would not interest me, right? Yeah. But especially since the story started in Superman, so I don't know why it has to involve dissecting the Batman family. But yeah. again, again. I mean, it's like that's all we ever do is just, you know, let's this guy's out in the Bat family. And, you know, we've got we got we got to dissect that to your point. I just I'm not interested in reading that again. You know, the whole reason I quit reading Walking Dead was because it was the same story being told over and over again. And I'm really seeing that with Batman. They may take different approaches to the story, but it's always the same cycle of. He builds up a family. They support him. There's a huge breakdown. He goes through a long period of being by himself and then realizes he needs to bring the family back. Well, and don't forget the heroes get upset because they realize he's got a plan for everything about them, which we'll talk about in the next book we're talking about. But the last last story in uh, Year of the Villain really ties into what's been going on in the Justice League book. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's it's about this... uh, this uh you know celestial being that that the uh legion of doom has been you know trying to resurrect and it demonst- yeah perpetua thank you i could never could not remember her name uh and it shows that luther's not dead after all after having been all blown up he's in some sort of you know regeneration tank like luke skywalker and uh you know he he's he's turning into something beautiful perpetua says which again much like the end of the second story anticlimactic for me right i was like oh well i mean could could we have waited like a, a month or two before we revealed that <laughs> yeah why tell me yeah why uh, show me that you've killed luther in the first chapter and then you know in the third chapter show me hey, he's okay there's yeah. no stakes here at all Exactly. It takes that, away the stakes. That is a gorgeous, I think, Francis Manupol, uh, uh double-page spread, though. Of, of the heroes? The yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. And if you follow him on Instagram, he shows, uh, you know, because Francis Manupol does his pencils, his art, his pen. Well, he, he does everything digitally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, th- that entire page was his, like, coloring and everything. And he goes through the step-by-step process of what it took to put that together. And it, it's a hell of a lot of work. And there are a lot of two-page spreads in this book that are glorious yeah, um, between him and Jim Chung. Um, but yeah. that one is, is gorgeous. And you have Crypto front and center. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I have to you, say the art was the only thing that really worked for me in this last story. But the art was amazing. And that picture with like, 
like I said, all of them, including crypto, I would have that as a poster. Yeah, no, it's it's a great shot, uh, Wayne. I would tell you that that I, the current run of Justice League is really good. Um, it's it's the Justice League being the Justice League, and uh, I, I'm getting I'm getting this is actually the very much the book I've been wanting. Um, I, I highly recommend the current run of Justice League, which ties in heavily to the story that you read here. Yeah, whereas Scott Snyder may have started from an homage to Grant Morrison in right. his Justice League writing, I feel like he's going more Jim Starlin with it now. Yeah, I agree. Um, and know, that same was cosmic level, but that was something as I read this that I wondered: Did it not work for me because I'm not reading the current Justice League book? Because this whole story made no sense to me. I think it'll help. Yes, this, this very much feeds into everything, and that would be the only book other than the the action comics Leviathan stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, the, but this was primarily inspired by what's going on in Justice League, and it, you know, the the last page leads into the event continues. You're the villain in Justice League 25, Leviathan number one, Batman 75, which begins the uh, City of Bane, and they announced this week uh, that Batman Superman number one. Uh, is going to be relaunched uh, from Joshua Williamson and David Ooh. Marquez on oh. art. Uh, David, yeah, David Marquez, Marquez. from uh, Ultimate, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man fame. Yep, uh, and the Defenders, and, yeah. and yeah, he worked with Bendis a lot in Marvel. And mm-hmm. so I guess Bendis, Bendis brought him with him to DC, and he's going to be on that Batman Superman book. Marvel has got to be hating that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they need to call Daniel Way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because because damn, uh, Bendis took a lot of talent with him when he went over to uh, to DC. Um, so you know, I, I think you're the villain. You know, I think it was an interesting preview into what DC's got coming up. Um, it, I, I think it had some hits and some misses, but it sure did demonstrate a lot of really strong, if not uh, narrative storytelling, certainly visual storytelling. Because I think all the art in that book is really compelling. Agreed. So there's a backup story in this book, too. Special sneak preview. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The special sneak preview of uh, Batman Last Night on Earth. The uh, the upcoming, uh, what they're calling, uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Kapoor are saying, is their last Batman story. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this one. I didn't know what any of the setup was, but I I enjoyed what I saw here as the preview. What I found interesting about the preview in this book, and I don't know, Aaron, uh, if you read it, but, but we all read Deceased, right? Right. It, the In Year of the Villain, the digital edition is missing a page of the preview that Deceased number one has. It's missing the last page of the preview. Interesting. Yeah, um, it is. And that's a pretty big... <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big deal page that it's missing in the preview. Um yeah, I'm, I'm curious about the story. It's not it, – it's certainly – based on the preview pages, it's nothing we haven't seen before. We've seen Batman like, oh, it's been all a dream this whole time. We saw that you know, in the pages of um, Shadow of the Bat uh, by Norm Brayfogle and Alan Grant. We've seen it a couple different times. But you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's. I like how it's being told this time. And I read The Deceased first, so I didn't even notice that it was missing the page on this one because it was there on the first one I read. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about deceased, and it's it's like a, a, a drinking game now by how many times we just said <laughs> the name of the book. Um, deceased number one came out this week. Uh, and now this is written by Tom Taylor, the guy who who brought you Superman killing Joker in the pages of Injustice. This this the very same man um, with art by Trevor Harrison, and um, there's a, a second artist on the book, uh, Stefano Gaudiano, um, and Aaron. Dark side was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, 
I think the the thing to to understand as you're reading this book is the, two things, right? One, this is an alternate DC universe, right? And two, uh, this is DC's answer to Marvel zombies. Yeah, I, I think those are the two things that are helpful to understand when when you read because you know I I hadn't I don't read a lot I know it's crazy you know got a weekly comic book podcast I don't read a lot of the descriptions of books in the uh, solicits because I don't want to be spoiled I want to come to come to the books fresh so all I knew was deceased and it was a big DC event and it looked pretty cool one um, thing I think because you said it's a uh, answer to Marvel zombies. One thing I think they do better than Marvel Zombies did was Marvel Zombies never really dealt with the, you know, they did flashbacks to the outbreak and such, Uh but they never really dealt with the heroes fighting back against the zombies. Yeah, well, I think Marvel Zombies was more from the angle of a darkly comedic take on it, whereas this is straight up a horror book. Right. Um, You know, this is is Marvel Zombies meets Crossed from um, Avatar. Almost, because and it is gory and bloody and violent. Yeah. I like this take on the zombie story much better. I like the heroes fighting the zombies. And we're going to see, I'm sure, zombie heroes using their powers against regular heroes at some point. Right. Uh, you know, the uh, the take on Darkseid in the book was super interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact, and, and to Paul's point, Darkseid was, because, you know... Uh, his calculation of the anti-life equation sort of uh, doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, he, he accidentally alters the anti-life equation and yeah. thus... He forgot sets, to carry the one. Yeah, <laughs> and, and thus sets, a, you know, the, the zombie infestation on, on Apocalypse and on Earth. Uh, but real quick, you know, you mentioned the dark side. There is a different artist mm-hmm. for the pages on uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah. I... I kind of hated the art on those pages. I, I hated how Cyborg was drawn. Yeah. I hated how Desaad was drawn because, you know, that's not Desaad. And, uh, but I, I, I rather liked what he did with Darkseid. Yeah, I like when he's, you know, Darkseid. So one of the aspects, um, or I guess symptoms of this infestation is that you you basically claw your face off. Right. Um, and you see Darkseid do that, and it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his, his it, he... he He's not just clawing his face off; he's clawing his head off. Essentially, I mean, yeah. he's just you know going. I think that we are we are breaking that uh, lovely shell to get into the yoke within. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first shocking moment of the book was uh, Darkseid telling Desaad to remove Cyborg's tongue, and he does it. And he, yeah. yeah, and that actually <laughs> happened. I didn't realize Cyborg could regrow organic parts, but apparently he can. Yeah. So, like, my thought then is, wow. Yeah, that was that really was a shocker. Yeah, we're right. playing with different stakes. Yeah, yeah, when we're talking about no stakes and you're the villain, th- this certainly you know ups the stakes. When when that right off the bat they're cutting off heroes' tongues, right? And Darkseid tears his head off and destroys Apocalypse. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're certainly dealing with a, a different type of DC book here. A very mature. Um, ta- well, I, I wouldn't say mature. A very adult oriented take right yeah well and the thing is telling the story in a regular dc book wouldn't be able to you know you know things are going to go back to normal in a regular book like like injustice right like this is mm -hmm. kind of like injustice you have to in order for the stakes to be what they need to be you have to take it from an alternate universe standpoint yeah exactly so at the point when uh 
Lois is looking for her phone and Jonathan finds the phone and all that's going on, my mind, instead of saying, okay, this is going to all turn out okay, you immediately think, oh, wow, this is about to go really bad. And right. you're, you're worried for the characters. Well, and I got to say, you know, they they set the stakes pretty early in the book, particularly like like you said, you know, cutting out Cyborg Stone. You're like, okay, shit. So, you know, the safeties are off, right? And so when, you know, Superman realizes what's happening in the city and he's like, oh, shit, John and Lois, he takes off to go save his save his family. And you really feel like, you know, in the in the 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 pages of the panels of the story, you feel that that tension. Right. And I mean, Superman does that thing. He can't get there in time. So he heat visions to destroy the phone because the virus is transmitted by phone. And I do feel like this was stolen from Stephen King's uh, uh, cell book. Cause this very, is very much, much so. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he, he, it's one of those things. It's just, it's very thoughtful in the way that the suspense and the story is told. So we still have, we exit this, ep- this uh, chapter of the story with still having John and Lois to pressure Superman. Cause you know, Terrible things are going to happen to John and Lois because we're already seeing terrible things happening to the Bat family. Yeah, that last page. You always have to rip apart the Bat family. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like we said. Um, But, you know, I didn't mind it in this book because it ends with Dick Grayson basically tearing a – biting a chunk out of Batman's neck while tearing through his chest very, very viscerally Yeah, on that last page. Um, Beautifully gory. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm curious about, and I think we'll see right away, does this spread by bite like a typical zombie thing, even though it was a virus spread through technology initially? I would yeah. think not, right? I mean, if it's a techno, it's a it's a techno organic virus or whatever the hell they call yeah, it. Which doesn't that remind you of New Mutants from years ago with uh, you know the old Warlock character? Yeah, Warlock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, but, but as soon as. When a cyborg lands on Earth and someone picks up their cell phone, I'm like, oh, it's going through the cell phones, just like Cell. Um, you know, and if you haven't read that Stephen King book, don't see the movie. But the book's halfway. <laughs> the first half of the book is actually halfway decent. Yeah, um, you're exactly correct. The first stop reading at about halfway in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I gotta say, it, it, I don't know. Uh, it sounds like Wayne and I are definitely interested in continuing with this book. How do you feel about it, Aaron? Yeah, I think I'm interested. You know, I like Tom Taylor and I like his alternative universe stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really love Injustice. I think Injustice is is brilliant. And I, I, I have enjoyed those stories. Uh, I'm going to enjoy this one as well. But and I, like, I like the fact that it's a more limited run than Injustice. I was about to say the exact same thing. I like that it's yep. six issues and I don't have to follow it for five years like I, like Injustice was. Right. Exactly. I, got a, I found it interesting how they're all trying to uh, – Basically reassure Damien. Yeah, uh, it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be okay. Batman isn't social. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and you and you can tell he instantly, you know, autocorrects, right? That he, right. he connects to the intranet only, not the internet. And, right. you know, but unfortunately, the disease is in the house already. We've traced the call, Bruce. The call is coming from inside the house. Get out of the house. <laughs> So, you know, I I think whereas Tom King, uh, Tom Taylor, uh, you know, knelt into Batman being uh, uh, kind of one of the leads of Injustice, I don't know that Batman's going to be on the plate uh, commission. Yeah, no. He, he might have been yeah, taken he, out early. Yeah, he may just be a pile of bat hamburger. 
Yeah. Out, yeah? I, what's that uh, fast food place that serves the Batman food? Oh, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> the name of it, but the one from the Tom King run. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah this one, I think, is going to focus more, a lot more on Superman. And it may be one of those these cases where none of these infected people can do anything to Superman because he's invulnerable, but he can't do anything to save them. Well, and he and, doesn't use social media. Yes. Right? I mean, because that's one of Superman's saving graces. He doesn't have the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Snapchat, the MySpace, right? He he, he is old school. You know, he's going to write you a letter, not a, not send you an email. So that's going to protect Superman. Yeah. I Lois expect- and John are fucked. Yeah, I completely <laughs> expect this to be a Superman deconstruction story of seeing him have to deal with a lot of really horrible things going on that can't physically harm him, but he can't do anything about some right. of those are some of the best Superman stories. Yep. Well, you know, to well, a certain extent, this might be a response to uh, the fact that, you know, he wrote a different kind of Superman for injustice and he, he, you know, he wanted to do a heroic Superman story. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul, yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Actually, we got a bunch of new uh, issues. We got new issues of Invaders. We have new issues of Detective Comics, um, Batman Who Laughs, which is leading into that Batman Superman book. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders, issue one, comes out next week from DC Comics. I guess they're, they're relaunching that book. Um, I'm going to be in on that one, by the way. I love okay. me some oh, right. Outsiders. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're going to pick it up, then I'll, I'll give the first issue a try. I can't hurt um, one of the more interesting books that's coming out next week is from DC Comics. The Flash number 70 from Joshua Williams and Howard Porter is going to be The Flash Year One. Um, it's kind of their year one take on The Flash. I know we've seen that a, a couple of different times, but, you know, it's I'm sure it's kind of, a you know, this retcon of the origin that'll probably tie in a little bit more with some of the the current goings on in the uh, in the books. And uh, from Marvel, we have new issues of Conan and Savage Sword of Conan. So you get all the Conan next week. All the all the savages and the swords. All the swords, all the savages, swords, all the Conan, swords. all the Sumerians. Swords. swords. <laughs> Bub. Bub. <laughs> Sorry, that tickles me. I am Conan of Cimeria. Bub. <laughs> and what? I am Wolverine of Pabst. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> So, we'd love to hear what you think of this week's books. We'd also love to know what you did for May the 4th. We'd also love to know what you did for Free Comic Book Day. Give us a shout at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. And you can also hit us up on social media. Um, On Instagram, IOMGeek. Twitter at Ideology Madness or Facebook IOM Geek. Leave us a comment what you thought of this week's episode. Um, let us know what you picked up on Free Comic Book Day uh, and what your thoughts were of Year of the Villain, Deceased, and Savage Avengers. Just remember, if you engage with us on social media, you might get infected by the anti-life equation. Just saying. That's more motivation to do it. <laughs> and then you'll just claw your face right off. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth the risk. A, a podcast so good you'll want to claw your face off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we'll check with you next week. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.